If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 to get 20 20, to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Donald McIntyre and this is Click for Murder, the companion podcast to CBS Reality's new television series. Now throughout this series we're revealing some of the most disturbing crimes of recent history where the internet has been used as a tool to trick, torture and to kill innocent victims lured into a virtual world where nothing is quite what it seems. On today's episodes we look at the case of Brian Lewis who killed his long-term partner and the mother of his four children Haley Jones. Lewis murdered Haley at their home in Wales while their four children were upstairs. It was a brutal killing. But why did Lewis become a murderer and what role did social media play? Did Lewis become jealous of the time Haley spent on Facebook? Was she talking to other men on social media? And crucially, was Haley's decision to change her Facebook status to single the catalyst that led to murder? While well, helping me to answer these questions are Dr. Elizabeth Yardley, Associate Professor and Director of the Centre for Applied Criminology at Birmingham City University. Welcome, Liz. Hello. And also clinical forensic psychologist Mike Berry. Welcome. Thank you. Here's the background. Hayley Jones and Brian Lewis lived in the small town of Neutradigar in South Wales in the Welsh Valleys. They met at a local fun fair when Lewis was 18 and Hayley was only 13. They were instantly attracted to each other and despite the age difference, they started a relationship. This is a, a, a case which kind of really makes me very angry and it starts at this age difference. Mm. Mike, you can see how a teenage girl might see this as a, a trophy catch getting an 18-year-old young man. No doubt about it. He probably has a job, has money, where all her contemporaries have got 15-year-old spotted uh, boyfriends. She's got a man rather than a boy. But where was the parental and social concerns around this? Well, there weren't any, were there? There was, there was a kind of acceptance of this relationship. You know, we've got to be really clear about it. If they were sleeping together at this point in time, that's illegal. But in, in these, these communities where those transitions to adulthood are a lot quicker than they are in, in sort of middle-class London, this isn't something that raises eyebrows. 
the relationship developed very quickly to the extent that when Lewis was kicked out of the family home following an argument, Haley's parents invited him to move in and live with them and their 13-year-old daughter. Now, in any era, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, noughties. There's a big difference, isn't there, between going out to the cinema with a guy who's a bit older than you and having him move into your home and have your parents acknowledge you as a couple. This really is something altogether different, isn't it? There's an issue here in terms of it being culturally sound or in many ways tolerated and I kind of get the sense where you say the parents thought they would rather have the couple under their own roof and I get that as a parental stuff and it is a kind of get out of jail uh, in terms of exonerating the parents for responsibility and I'm not going to make their life any more difficult now because they have lost their daughter. But the people who should matter in this particular landscape are the social workers. The teachers. And the teachers and the other responsible people in that community who, while you might concede to some cultural equivalency over some norms of the community, you know, they're there to protect vulnerable children. Mm. Where was the street gossip? Where was the grapevine that, to the local police, to the local uh, social services? I'm surprised there was no gossiping going on. Will Lewis have thought that was an absolute sanctioning of the relationship? In being you know, invited to move into to the family home, he's been invited to be a member of the family, hasn't he? And we don't know, were there any ground rules? Um, was it along the lines of, yes, he can stay, but he's got to sleep downstairs or anything like that? But I think even actually having him in the family home and acknowledging that this is a relationship that your underage daughter is involved in is incredibly problematic. And I'm surprised that there weren't more alarms going off. <laughs> In 1999, there certainly should have been alarm bells going off because three years after they first met, Haley gave birth to their very first child when she was just 16. She is now a full-time mother. She spent nine months with her doctors, maternity wards, in and out of interactions with agencies. And who shouted? Where was the school? Why, why was she not at school? Surely she was pregnant, they would have seen her pregnant at school, 16-year-old or 15-year-old, and said something about it. I find that quite surprising. She's 16, she has her first baby, now a full-time mother, no longer a student. And what effect, what impact is this having on Haley? Well, she's going to be very handicapped by not having the support that she needs, not having the education she needs. She's going to be very stressed in many ways. You don't think she's kind of, she thinks that, you know, that she's achieved all her goals, adulthood, teenage goals, desires, and she's now fitting into this kind of, you know, cultural norm. There she is. She effectively is married. She's in a stable relationship. She's got a child, you know, and Mm. she's sorted. Well, many years ago, I did uh, some research with, with teenage mothers. And the one thing that came across really clearly to me when I was going into communities and talking to young parents was that their parenthood wasn't anything out of the ordinary. In, in their social context. And actually, the young parents were often the ones who were looked up to because they were responsible, um, because they were able to kind of organise themselves and get their lives in order. But I think the effect on Haley, she's got to grow up really quickly and now her own needs are always going to come second to somebody else's. Despite becoming a mom at just 16, it seems a stable family life soon emerged and ensued. The couple had three more children... Brian Lewis got a job working on the railways and they bought a house. 
And to all intents and purposes, this seems like a stable and loving domestic arrangement. Yeah, it's very respectable. She's doing all the right things. Yeah, no problem at all. No flags are waving, no bells are ringing yet. Except for, of course, that one would say three children four children by the age of 20, the first baby just when you're 16. The, it seems to me that the principles and the footsteps to that first underage illicit illegal relationship before 16 is that, you know, uh, the pr- those problems there simply don't go away mm, you know, over the next four years. It's intensifying that power dynamic, isn't it, that's always been there because Lewis has always had the upper hand because he's been five years older. But now she's completely dependent upon him. She's the one who's at home looking after the children, putting dinner on the table. She has a role, and I think it's a role that that Lewis wants her to have because she's there to serve him. Is he happy with his lot? Yeah, I think think he would be because this is what's expected of men in these communities, that you're the breadwinner, you're the one that that goes out and earns the money and puts the food on the table, and your other half stays at home and looks after the children and, and looks after you. And I think he's quite happy, you know, being in that situation. To what degree are both parties in this kind of comfortable and uh, Haley and Lewis happy with this gender divide? They're probably happy at the time, but then as we see later on, that there are pressures and changes the roles. That's when I think problems happen. In 2007, everything changed. Lewis lost his job at the age of just 29 and struggled to find full-time alternative employment. So in order to pay the bills, Haley got a job as a care worker, often working very long shifts. So she now had taken over the role as the breadwinner. With no job, Lewis became increasingly depressed and started to drink. It's not an unfamiliar pattern, Liz, as you alluded to earlier. No, it it certainly isn't. And he's very frustrated because the power balance has shifted and his family doesn't look how he thinks it should. He should be the one that's the breadwinner. He should be the one that's, that's in control. And he's not. The other problem is that she then starts to explore a world that she hadn't explored before. As you said, her world had been very much the home and the four children hubby. She's now out meeting people. She's getting challenged. Whether she likes it or not, she's getting challenged by other people's behaviour, which makes her think about her own behaviour. This carefully constructed uh, domesticity in the cultural image and the lessons he had learned, this is happiness and this is the way towards perpetual happiness as a family, that was falling away. He was losing control. Mm. There's there's some definite role strain going on, isn't there? So he's had this role as as the breadwinner, as the patriarch, as the head of the family. And and now Haley's taking on some of the responsibility of that role. And it's not only that that she's, she's doing that. In the process of doing that, she's taking on new identities. She's no longer just a mother and just a partner. She's a friend. She's a colleague now. And that's going to introduce quite a lot of tension. It's also he's having to take on more of a mother's role. You know, when you see it clearly defined as mother and father, he's having to do more of the maternal role. And that, in his culture, would be quite insulting. Liz, it's entirely predictable this relationship is now going to be in trouble. It is, absolutely. And it, it's not the, the situation in itself that's the problem, it's Lewis's reaction to it. It's He doesn't have a very flexible idea of what a family looks like. For him, it's a guy who goes out to work, it's a woman who stays at home and looks after the kids, and, and anything else is not fitting within what he thinks a family should be. With the relationship under strain, Haley joined Facebook in order to find and converse with friends online. 
but Lewis suspected she was using it for alternative purposes. He thought she was talking to other men. Why was he getting increasingly paranoid about her use of Facebook? Because she wasn't telling him who she was speaking to. We know cases where she actually put the screen block on or closed the computer down so he couldn't see. There may be nothing in it, but if you're just a tiny bit paranoid, then that'll add to your paranoia and you start thinking, oh, she's, she's seeing somebody else. It's his interpretation of her behaviour, isn't it? Yeah. It could well be that actually she thinks, OK, Brian's coming into the room, I'll put the laptop away so I can focus on him and I'm not going to be distracted and I can mm. talk to him. Um, but he wouldn't take it that way. He'd be immediately suspicious. You know, he is um, reacting badly. And first there is uh, verbal abuse. And then what follows again, rather predictably, is physical violence. When he's being verbally abusive to her, he's not gaining the response that he wants. And therefore he has to escalate that into physical violence. The frustration that he's feeling emerges as physical violence. Now he, he begins to escalate it even further in trying to incite you know, hostility, implacable hostility among their children against her. Why is he doing that? Well, it could be that he knows how important Haley's children are to her and her sense of identity as a mother is an important one. And abusers will often try and strip away their kind of victim's identity and, and chip away at it. And I also think Haley's attention is being diluted quite thinly. So she's working, she's maintaining friendships, she's still got her role as a mother. And Lewis feels quite pushed out. And he's been the kind of centre of her world for a fair few years. And, and he wants to regain that, that position. And this inevitably becomes a vicious circle. The more angry Lewis became, the more unhappy Haley became, and the more she turned to the online world. Gareth Llewellyn is a local journalist. He told detectives that she was coming home from work at 8 in the morning after a 12-hour shift and spending several hours on there before going to bed. And she was also spending her spare time in the evening on Facebook as well. And he said it was interfering with her family life. It's clear that she was spending an inordinate amount of time uh, on Facebook. Is she spending an, you know, a, a normal time or is this standard well, I don't think it necessarily was abnormal. And I think if you were to turn the tables around and say, well, when Lewis was working, what did he do when he came home? Did he help out with the chores? Did he help out with the dinner? Or did he sit there and, and have, a, have a beer and, and watch TV? So it's these double standards that you always see applied in these, these kind of traditional setups that, that really is the, the thing here. But we're finding that two hours a day is not uncommon to spend on Facebook and things like that. Mm. But with her 12-hour work and the children and everything else, then there's very limited time. But what we are seeing more is actual addiction to the internet. People are becoming so addicted to the instant replies. The intermittent reinforcement behaviour is a very powerful reinforcer, and that's what's happening here. She is being reinforced on Facebook, on the internet. She's got a dodgy relationship at the moment. The internet gives her the pleasure in life, and that's so reinforcing. Mm, and she's been kind of stuck at home for mm. many, many years, and now she's she's got this new job, and she's on Facebook, and she's people are reaching out to her, and mm. she's reaching out to them. Um, she's broadening her horizons, and all of these things diminish Lewis's control over her. I'm very keen not to victim blame here, but is there not a sense where she might have understood that the amount of time she was displacing on online and in the digital uh, world was making 
Lewis angrier. Yeah, but because he's so angry and so aggressive towards her, she doesn't have any positive feelings towards him. She is therefore going to look elsewhere. But the internet and her friends gave her the support that hubby wasn't giving her. It seems to me that she couldn't communicate with him. He was violent, he was difficult, he was aggressive and and passive-aggressive as well. And her only retreat was to an alternative reality when she had to live in the same house as him. Yeah, it's a sanctuary, isn't it? It's a bit of a a kind of safe space and a a refuge for her. Was there any evidence she was using Facebook to foster a new love interest? Absolutely none whatsoever. It's all in Lewis's head. At the end of February 2009, Lewis's anger crossed a line. He turned on one of the children, leaving the child bruised and shaken. It was a turning point for Haley, and she decided to end the relationship. But crucially, she doesn't tell Lewis face-to-face or in a letter. She announced it by changing her Facebook status. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. To single on the 2nd of March. Despite this, it initially appears that Haley is trying to carry on as normal and maybe for the sake of the kids. And the couple even go out for a night out on the 6th of March at their local social club. However, during that evening, they bicker and witnesses saw Lewis slap Haley, and they leave early. A public demonstration of violence. Yeah, it's gone beyond the front door, hasn't it? And the front door is often the, the place where this kind of violence 
is. It's somewhere that is not seen. It's somewhere that, that it's hidden away. But here it's out in the open. So, you know, to do it in this way, it's almost a public pronouncement of Haley is my woman and I should be able to do what I want to do. And to go back to the her declaration of singlehood, her return as a single woman after four children and that commitment and investment. That's a major slap in the face to him. He's been the father to her four children and then she suddenly says, I'm single. That reinforces all his paranoid ideas that she's having an affair with other men. And I think the the thing that that really grates on him is the fact that that this is on Facebook. Other people can see that their relationship has broken down and he feels that that his kind of status as the head of this family is damaged already because he's lost his job and he's dependent on Haley's income. But now for her to take even more control and to announce to others very publicly that this relationship is over. The difficulty she has, she appears to have direct difficulty telling him face-to-face the relationship is over. You know, to what extent is the online world an easier way to escape? Is that a safer place for her to say it's over? Why did she do it then? Well, it could have potentially been that as a victim of his, you know, domestic abuse, she's very aware of his behaviour and victims are quite good assessors of their own level of risk. So perhaps by putting it out there in this public forum, she's taking it beyond the front door and making others aware of it. Is this change of her Facebook status the moment he decided he was going to kill her or is it a little longer gestation than that? I'm not sure that he would have planned to kill her, but I would certainly expect this to be a trigger in his increased escalation of violence towards her. I mean, it's such a powerful message to say to to the world that you're single when you've been in a relationship for many years and you've got children by this man. From his point of view, he would see this as a great insult. Mm, Especially as some of these people will be people that that they know in their local community. After this public row, Lewis went to stay with his family, which gave Haley some breathing space. By the time he returned to the family home, Haley had decided either that he needed to go or that she'd leave with the children. But any separation was not immediate and they all still lived in the same house for a while. That was the intention. On March 10th, Haley returned home from a 12-hour work shift and went straight to bed, blanking Lewis in the process. He flew into a rage. He dragged Haley out of bed and significantly he also smashed her laptop. I mean, he was just devastated at this slight. It's probably the straw that broke the camel's back. We know he's been wound up for a long, long time. She comes in, totally ignores him, and he knows that the one way to get her attention is to smash up her laptop. That's been the cause of all his paranoid, delusional thinking. She's on that. I smash it up, I get rid of the problem. That's what he's doing. I think it's really important for us to emphasise here, though, that he hasn't just snapped, he hasn't flipped and gone from being a normal, loving individual one day to a a really violent bully the next. This has been an escalation of behaviour over time, hasn't it? And by smashing the laptop, is he effectively saying there are three people in this relationship, Lewis, Haley and the Facebook? I think that's absolutely right. There were three people and he was number three in the game. And I think it's what the laptop represents. It's what he despises, and that's Haley's independence. It's the fact that she's doing things that don't involve him. But I don't think there are three people in this relationship. There are two. There's the abuser and the victim. 
and the abuser is using Facebook to blame the victim for her own victimisation and to justify his behaviour. I agree with that, but I still think there is a third person. He conceives that there are people that she's having communications with on Facebook. He doesn't necessarily know who they are, so therefore Facebook kind of encapsulates all his feelings about these unknown people. She's being unfaithful to him yeah. online. That's his uh, his thought process. That's what he conceives of it as. Well, it was obvious that Haley must act and she told Lewis to leave. To underline the need for separation, she moved out of the bedroom and slept on the sofa. Later that day, Lewis headed to the social club to drown his sorrows. D.I. Justin O'Keefe gives us more of an insight into his state of mind at the time. He was witnessed by persons in the local working men's club being fairly morose. And he saying, look, the, the relationship is at an end, but he didn't want it to be at an end. And he said, quite clearly in front of others, if I can't have her, nobody will have her. Well, that seems to me, Mike, like a declaration for murder. It is in some cases, but often you hear people say that. You hear that about stalkers, particularly saying that about their victims. It doesn't mean that they're going to kill them. There is this kind of control and ownership that we've talked about a lot already today. He owns her, and that's what he's talking about. I don't think he's planning to kill her at that stage. Is it reasonable to put this down as the rantings of a drunken man? I think in many cases you have to put it down as the ranting of a man who, who's angry about the world and everything else. It's a way a lot of people let off steam. If you were going to lock up every person who says, I'll kill that person, we'd have our prisons full of them. I mean, what does this say again of the community? Or, you know, are we being too hard on those who saw the slap, too hard on those who turned a blind eye to the underage sex, too hard on those who heard him ranting about that nobody else could have her? I think that the key word that we're looking at here is denial. So you, you've got these, these violent incidents going on. People can see that this is happening, but they're, they're often seeing these things and interpreting them in ways that justify not acting on it or minimising the implications of it. So, yes, they had an altercation on a night out, but look, they're OK, and no harm, no long-term harm appears to have come of it. So people are constantly kind of minimising violence and almost kind of making it normal, making it acceptable, and that, that kind of denies them of, of any responsibility to do something about it. On the 11th of March, Lewis returns to the social club and is once again overheard saying he doesn't want the relationship to end and that she will get a surprise in the morning. Back at the family home, Haley has put the children to bed and is back on Facebook. Any reasons for his companions, drinking companions, to have been concerned by the surprise in the morning comment? That's a bit more worrying because... With hindsight, we're saying, oh, yeah, that means he's going to kill her or he's going to harm her, something like that. But the important bit is the earliest bit where he says he doesn't want the relationship to end. So he wants to carry on with the relationship or does he plan to kill her so that nobody else can have a relationship? Well, that's what he says. That's the issue. He but, actually explicitly says, I don't want the relationship to end and if I can't have her, no one else will. Yeah. I mean, that's a declaration of kind of, of war, of murder, if ever I've heard Yeah, but one. it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to carry it out. Lewis then returned to the house but couldn't sleep as Haley had dozed off on the sofa with the TV blaring out quite loudly. A row ensued which lasted for several minutes and woke one of the children. Lewis then went to the kitchen and got a knife. He now had murder in mind. He stabbed the defenceless Haley but didn't kill her. According to Lewis's testimony, during the attack, Haley looked at him and said, We've got children. Why are you doing this? 
she also said, I love you. But Lewis was relentless. After the stabbing had failed to kill her, he then placed his hands around her neck and strangled her to death. Do you think he flipped? Yeah, he's having a row with her. And when you're rowing, you're increasing your arousal level. I think we've got a situation where this guy is just building up his arousal level to such a height that he just explodes. And we've seen here an example of a man losing control and explosive violence. And what... It's worrying is that he actually goes next door to get a knife. Most time, moving away from the scene would actually cool people down and they would become less violent. But he's gone and got the knife, so it's clearly he's going to do her harm. There's no question about that. And the fact that he is frustrated adds to his increased level of arousal and anger. I think it's, it's more about an escalation of behaviour. So I think his aim has always been the same. It's to assert control over Haley. But I think at this point, the objective through which he achieves that aim changes. So rather than trying to keep her in the relationship, he's controlling her by destroying her for leaving the relationship. So why so violent? I mean, it, it, she is protesting, she's pleading, our children, I love you. He's got to get over the barrier of killing somebody he loves. And people do that by overkill. They will stab 10, 15, 20, 30 times, much more than they actually need to kill. It's this overkilling is a kind of helping them to compensate for what they're doing. But was this a premeditated murder? No, but I think it was a situation that would eventually happen. There would be some explosion of violence somewhere along the line. Well, he went to the kitchen to get the knife, didn't he? And at any point going to the kitchen or coming back, he could have decided not to do it, and he didn't. He, he went through with, with the murder. Having talked to many killers, one of the things they tell me is that they're almost on an automatic route. Once they, they start this process of, of violence, they can't stop it, and they don't respond. They hear things, but they don't respond because they're just so driven by this kind of automatic need to, to carry out the act. And, of course, by the act of committing murder in the house with his children upstairs. I mean, he must have understood that mm. his children would have heard this. And I think this really is testament to Lewis's selfishness. You know, it's all about him. And, and the fact that his children were in the house when he perpetrated this horrendous crime, the fact that wasn't enough to stop him. Yeah, he was just so driven by his own wants and his own desires. Lewis fled the scene and for several hours we don't know what he did or where he went. But sometime later, he arrived at Blackwood Police Station, five miles away from the family home, and handed himself in with the words, I've murdered my wife. Back at the house, the children made a horrific discovery. Around 4am, the kids raced to their grandmothers for help, screaming, she's dead, and Mammy's on the floor. An ambulance was called, but as D.I. O'Keefe from Gwent Police explains, it was all too late. Paramedics tried to resuscitate Haley. They had difficulty in actually putting... A tube down the throat of Haley because of the because of the crushed throat. Lewis said that he was pressing so hard that he hurt his thumbs. He found it difficult to release her throat. Haley was pronounced dead on the scene. Does his method of murder reveal anything about Lewis? Yeah, I mean, strangling somebody is the real ultimate in control over life. You're taking somebody's life in your hands and you're throttling them. That is usually a sign of very angry person to do that. Most people would use a weapon to kill rather than strangulation. It seems to me that what speaks much more about Lewis is the fact he left the home, fled, to leave his children, four children, to discover their dead mother in a terrible state. 
I mean, that speaks more about him, I think, than anything else. It does, absolutely. And I've come across cases before where this has happened, where a perpetrator has killed their partner and left the child in the house with the body. And it really is, it's incredibly selfish. It's incredibly narcissistic. I have to see to my own needs now. Mm. And that's that's the priority. Why did he hand himself in? I think he was he was making a decision to take control i want to be the one that decides what happens now um i don't want others to to come and and find me i'm taking this decision for myself most likely that he had uh, no alternative he basically had all the evidence against him he would have been found guilty and therefore he handed himself in lewis was charged with murder but he claimed he'd accidentally killed her during a row while he was trimming his nails with a knife how implausible is the defence he constructed? Well, I was going to say, having dealt with many murderers and I've heard lots of excuses, I've never heard anybody say cutting the toenails was the cause of killing a partner. In that time that he's been on his own, that few hours, maybe that's the time in which he's been concocting this tall story. Interestingly, a forensic check on Haley's laptop after the murder revealed she had not used social media to try and hook up with any man or indeed start an affair. Lewis had been entirely wrong. It had entirely been a fabrication of his own invention. Yeah, it was all in his head. So, so this reinforces this was not Haley's behaviour that was problematic. It was Lewis's reaction to it. And what's interesting, this isn't a Facebook murder where people are groomed on Facebook and it starts out there. This isn't a long-distance love affair looking for love online. This is somebody who was driven to murder by the insecurities uh, around his wife's obsession with Facebook. Because nowadays we perform our relationships on social media. We show our relationships to the rest of the world. And that's fine when everything's rosy and everything's going all right. But, but when one partner takes a decision to actually announce the relationship is over, it can have quite, quite terrible consequences. Mike, was social media the accelerant in this case? Oh, I think without any doubt, the fact that she put on Facebook that she was single, that would act as a red flag to him. He would just lose it completely. In terms of social media killers and murderers, and you're one of the leading, world's leading experts in this, have done the first kind of research in and around this particular area. Uh, what kind of murderer, social media killer is Lewis? Well, when we look at how Lewis has used social media in relation to the murder he's committed, um, I'd class him as a reactor. So he's reacted to a piece of content that he's seen online and he's gone and attacked his victim face to face. So what goes on online can have real life embodied consequences. Did Haley's use of Facebook or addiction to Facebook cause her murder, Mike? I think her addiction is something that seriously added to the problem. I think he had problems in the sense of losing his job, he had other social problems, and he had, I suspect, quite a um, high-level depression. Add that to the Facebook incident and you have a major problem. I think here, yes, I think Facebook has played a role in Haley's murder, but actually what it's come down to is Lewis's decision to kill her. Understandably, the jury didn't believe Lewis's version of events and he was found guilty of murder. He was sentenced to life with a 14-year minimum tariff. Thanks to my guests, Dr Elizabeth Yardley and Dr Mike Berry, and of course you can watch the full documentary of Click for Murder, Brian Lewis on CBS Reality. From me, Donald McIntyre, for now... Goodbye.